0: Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter 21. And we're going to be reading the first verse, Revelation 21 verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. In our last study, we were looking at some scriptures where God describes the passing away of this present earth. And the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. And it is similar to what God says about those that He saved. The old man is gone or passed away and all things are become new. He makes the child of God a new creature. And, and God is going to do the same thing with this world that is seeing corruption because God brought the world into corruption. Once mankind fell into sin, he will create a new heaven and new earth. Now, uh, we looked at everything except the last part of verse 1 of Revelation 21 where it says, And there was no more sea. And we wonder, now, why is God emphasizing... um this part of the world because the seas are part of the earth and since he says the first earth was passed away well that would include the seas that you you can't separate the things of the earth the mountains and the trees and the seas and the, and the land are all part of the earth and if the earth as a whole passes away and that's what the Bible says it, it's not of the earth that's going to pass away is the complete world that God is going to destroy. And because we know this, that the, the sea is part of the earth and the earth passes away, so obviously the sea passes away with it, it makes us wonder why the Lord is drawing our attention to this statement. And there was no more sea. Yes, it's true that when the world is gone, the seas are gone, the oceans are gone. And and we don't know what the new earth will be like. Uh, it will it will be spectacular. It will be glorious. But we have no idea what that creation will be. Um, we, we know uh, it's going to be far better than this present uh, curse creation. But... Why does God say no more sea? And the answer has to be in the spiritual meaning of sea. And sea in the Bible, the sea, can point to a place of gospel activity. It's where fish are found and fish are likened to men. It's also, uh, if troubled sea, uh, God likens that to the wicked. He tells us in Isaiah 57, the wicked are like the troubled sea. Or false prophets are likened to the raging sea. The, the wind is boisterous and, and begins to cause the, the sea to rage. Well, that's also troubled men. False prophets are definitely troubled men. But the sea here is not said to be troubled, It doesn't say there was no more troubled sea, and then we would think it had to do with the wicked themselves, but simply, no more sea. And when we turn to the Bible to find out the spiritual definition of what the sea represents, we find it points to the wrath of God that comes upon men for their sin. For instance... In Exodus chapter 14, when uh, the Egyptians were pursuing the Israelites unto the Red Sea, then God fought for Israel. And uh, we we read in uh, verse 27 of Exodus 14, And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and Jehovah overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned, and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them to remain not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus Jehovah saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which Jehovah did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared Jehovah and believed Jehovah and his servant Moses. And here we see how God used the sea as an instrument of his wrath to destroy Pharaoh, who typified Satan, and the Egyptians, the people of Satan's kingdom, the unsaved people of the world. It was a vivid historical parable that illustrated Judgment Day. The destruction of the wicked, of the enemies of the kingdom of God, were drowned in the sea. It goes on to say in chapter 15, beginning in the first verse, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto Jehovah, and spake, saying, I will sing unto Jehovah, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Jehovah is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Jehovah is a man of war, Jehovah is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them, they sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, is become glorious in power, Thy right hand, O Jehovah, hath dashed in pieces the enemy, and in the greatness of Thine excellency Thou hast overthrown them that rose up against Thee. Thou sentest forth Thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble, and with the blast of Thy nostrils the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heat, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. And it continues on, We but we get the clear picture that God used the sea to bring destruction upon his enemies. And the language here, Pharaoh's chariots and his host are cast into the sea. They're drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. They're thrown into the sea. The the waters gathered and stood like floods upright and, and so forth. The dips congealed together. All these sentences, all these statements identify with the wrath of God and God's furious anger upon sinners. We we could go other places and see how they relate. Just think of the flood of Noah's day. It wasn't a sea that God drowned the people of the world in, as he did the Egyptians, but in in a sense, it was because God brought the rain for forty days and forty nights, and and He opened up waters from the depths beneath, and and uh, tremendous amounts of water flooded the earth, turning the whole world into a sea. And how did the people die that that were unsaved? They drowned. They drowned um, as a result. Of the floodwaters, just as the Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea because it typifies God's wrath. Now, remember uh, how God um, describes the sea in the book of Jonah. If we go to Jonah, chapter 1, and Jonah is... Um, well, it, he's a varying picture throughout the book, but in chapter one, he's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as into chapter two. And in chapter one, Jonah, um, and he, he enters a ship to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of Jehovah. And it says in, uh, Jonah one, in verse three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of Jehovah and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of Jehovah. That's language that's pointing to Christ entering the human race. Because the human race is going from the presence of Jehovah. That that wording uh, directs our attention back to the Garden of Eden when uh, Adam and Eve sinned. Afterwards, they hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah. And that's been the condition of mankind ever since. So Jonah, a type of Christ, enters into a ship and travels with them going from the presence of Jehovah. That is, Jesus becomes a man and enters into the human race. Well, um, we read a little further on because uh, historically God troubles the sea and he has another plan for Jonah, not to go to Tarshish, but to go to Nineveh. And in order to accomplish that, the Lord brings the storm at sea. And it says in verse 11, Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee? The mariners are speaking to Jonah. That the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto Jehovah, and said, We beseech thee, O Jehovah, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Jehovah, has done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared Jehovah exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto Jehovah, and made vows. The sea was raging, it's as if the law of God was demanding satisfaction, and Notice that the shipmen, the mariners, said, let us not perish for this man's life, which is, of course, they didn't know what they were saying, but it's a dramatic statement that pictures the atoning work of Christ who died for his people. Christ died that his elect might not perish, and the elect Do not perish because of what Jesus did from the foundation of the world. And he demonstrated that when he entered into the human race. And then the sea ceased its raging against that ship where those men were. Because the sea had no more demand of the mariners because it was satisfied by the offering of Jonah is the spiritual picture and Jonah again typifies Christ and and so the sea points to the wrath of God that takes the sinner or here it's taking Jonah as Jonah is historically picturing Christ making payment for sin and therefore it's as though the sea is taking Christ in its wrath, well, then, in chapter two of Jonah, we read in verse one, then Jonah prayed unto Jehovah, his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, "I cried by reason of mine affliction unto Jehovah, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep." In the midst of the seas and the floods compass me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Now, when we pay close attention to this language, we find the belly of hell is related to the midst of the seas, to the floods that have compassed him about, to the waves that have passed over him. It goes on to say in verse 4, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compass me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Jehovah my God. So we see that similar picture of the Egyptians being cast into the sea, or the similar picture of the, the world that perished in a flood, a world that drowned. And here uh, Jonah, a type of Christ, is cast into the sea, and he's swallowed by the whale in order that he can survive, because historically God has more for Jonah to do and he must survive this physically he has to continue to live in order to go to Nineveh and and so god has the whale swallow him but the whale is in the sea the whale is is um in uh, in the floods it, the whale is water compassed about it and that's how god can speak of the sea as though it devoured jonah but the Lord Jesus was victorious over death, victorious over hell, and rose up out of the depths and was resurrected. So the the whale serves its purpose and vomits Jonah out upon the dry land. And uh, it, it's just a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus and his atoning work for his people, that he accomplished from the foundation of the world and then demonstrated when he entered into the human race. Now, we we also have um, in the New Testament, in Luke, a word that is used of the deep. In Luke 8, concerning the, um, the swine that perish in a lake of water, And it says in Luke 8, in verse 30 and 31, And Jesus asked him, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And then uh, also in verse 32, And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into the swine. And he suffered them. And then they ran down into a steep place into the lake and were choked or drowned. That's what happened. They drowned. And drowning in that lake was said to be the deep. And the word deep is the same. It's a translation of the same Greek word translated as bottomless pit in the book of Revelation. And and so we can see the identification God is making to drowning with the swine that drowned in the lake. They went into the deep and were choked to the Egyptians that drowned in the Red Sea, to the people of the first earth or or the first world that drowned in Noah's flood, to Jonah being cast into the sea. And, And we can see how God is using this kind of language. Now, uh, concerning just one more thing about Jonah dying and and the mariner saying, let us not perish for this man's life. Well, remember what, what God writes in Micah, in Micah chapter 7, beginning in verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage, he retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob, and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. And and there God is making that statement that uh, he will cast all their sins, all of the elect sins into the depths of the sea in the sense that Christ went into the sea. Christ entered into the deep, the bottomless pit. Christ uh, experienced hell and death for His people as hell points to the grave and rose again. And where are the sins of those elect once Christ rises as it were from the sea? They remain in the sea. They were paid for. The law, the, the wrath of God that the sea uh, represents was satisfied with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of those people for their sins. Payment was made completely. And now Jesus rises without sin and all the sins that uh, he bore for the sake of his people are paid for and his people no longer have any sin. Their sins are in the depths of the sea. And that's why we're free of sin. We bear no sin in God's sight. We have no sin that he sees, that he condemns us for. There is, therefore, no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. We're clean. We're washed white as snow. We're pure as the lamb. And we we have no iniquity, no transgression, no evil deed, not one that God seas or else he would have to destroy us we uh, we are perfectly righteous and pure and holy in his sight because our sin is again likened to being cast into the sea the sea typifies death and hell and the wrath of god and and no wonder that the lord makes a special point here in Revelation 21 verse 1 because the direction now that he is looking and he would have us to look towards is eternity future. The, the direction is no longer looking at the world and, and this creation because they're passed away. And, uh, he has created a new heaven and a new earth and, and now the people of God, their sins are passed away. They're in the sea as Christ paid for them from the point of the world's foundation. And death and hell and um, the wrath of God is now finished because God has carried out what the law demanded. His justice has been served. His vengeance has been done. And now it is time for the new heaven and new earth and to dwell with his people in this glorious new creation forevermore. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, E-Bible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone.